Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Holy Ship. We hope everyone has had a great week and that you enjoyed last week's episode on sex. We are so excited today because we are talking about orgasm and purity culture with Hannah Ward from the Say What podcast. Um, Hannah is so incredible, and I absolutely love her podcast. Um, The Say What podcast helps Christian women overcome toxic purity culture, become confident in their sex lives, and help women feel less alone. Um, They talk a lot about painful sex and sex education, and she lives in Colorado with her husband and dog, and she's an Enneagram 2 for anyone um, that knows what the Enneagram is. So super excited. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. So much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Yeah, so just to get started, can you explain a little bit of more or a little bit more of who you are and what your journey with sex is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Hannah and I, like I said a second ago, I'm just honored to be here. I absolutely love podcasting and love that other women are talking about this stuff, this really, really important, hard conversations that the world needs to be having. And so I just commend you guys for like, putting yourself out there and like doing the hard work and doing the work of the Lord. And I just think it's absolutely incredible. So just props to you guys. You're amazing. And I'm just honored to be on this podcast and honored to be, to be a voice. So thank you so much. Um, but I started this podcast in April of 2020, mostly because when I got married, I like nothing was like what they told me it would be. So I grew up in church. I grew up in some really intense purity culture. I just grew up in like a non-denominational church. Well, I started out Baptist and then switched, but anyways, went to and grew up in church and not purity culture, not much so from my parents, but mostly from like the church and society in general, just hearing it a lot. Um, so I grew up in that. And so I had all these expectations for what marriage and sex was going to be. And it was the complete opposite. And so I got married and I wanted to have sex more than my husband did. And I was like, no one told me that would happen. Um, and I, and all, and sex hurt really bad for me for a really long time. I was ended up diagnosed with vaginismus, which is where sex hurts for you. That's where your muscles contract, um, when you have sex. And so it makes it really painful. I ended up being diagnosed with that, but I, um, was just tired of people not talking about the real stuff. Like I felt like I was the only one going through anything. Like I just felt like even in my close friendships, we would talk about stuff, but I feel still felt like, the society and Christianity was just not talking about the right things and not properly preparing people for sex, for marriage. And so I started the podcast and I didn't really have like, I was like, we're just going to talk about hard things. I don't know. And I started talking about sex and I was like, okay, this is what, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I feel most like called to do. This is where the Lord is like really pushing me. And during that is when I got diagnosed with vaginismus and just had a whole, you know, new perspective of that. And so here I am like doing the podcast and trying to help women overcome purity culture because, um, God does call us to be pure, but it has gotten very twisted over time, like Mm -hmm. very, very twisted. And so I definitely, you know, purity is important. 
and I'm not negating that, but it just has not been taught in the right way. So, um, that's a little bit about me. I have a husband, like I said, like she said, and a dog and we just hang out in the mountains in Colorado. Well, we're not necessarily in the mountains, but we like to go to the mountains. So that's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lydia, I have some questions. Yeah, but, go for um, it. Okay. So I'll go first. Um, yeah, I mean, your story is um, super compelling and definitely what um, we want to highlight and start talking about as well. Um, one of the first questions that I had was um, due to like kind of how sex is talked about in the church um, and in Christian circles, uh, what was your um, impression slash going into marriage, what did you think orgasm was or like going to be? And then furthermore, like how, um, how did that change as you started like um, exploring further um, about, you know, your faith and your body? Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I laughed at the first time. Cause I'm like, you're, like church doesn't talk about orgasm. So right. I do nothing. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah, I, so I will give, I probably should give a little background to you on this as well. So I was, um, I didn't have sex until I was married, but I need to specify that and say, I did not have like technical intercourse because mm -hmm. I was the girl who was doing everything else, but sex. And I see now how that like really harmed me as a teenager. Um, but at that time I didn't feel like I really had any good influence and any good, like real conversations about it. And so I just got a lot of my self-worth from boys. And so that's what I was doing, but because sex is only talked about of don't have sex. I was the girl who did everything, but that, like mm -hmm. I do that technical thing when it's all sex, like all of it is sex. So I will say before I got married, I definitely had no idea what an actual, like I knew what orgasms were, but like, I didn't really know if I had ever actually had one. And I definitely faked a lot of them like a hundred percent. Cause I was like, I think boys like this. So I guess I just need to make these <laughs> yeah. noises and hopefully they'll think that that was an orgasm. I don't know. So I definitely like faked a lot of it. And then even like, even though I was very confident in my body and who I was, when I got married, I still was like, okay, have I ever actually had one? Like, I don't really know. I don't think I ever have. So I have really no idea like what, what this is supposed to feel like. Like no one had really talked to me about it. I also expected to have orgasms straight from penetration. Mm -hmm. And so since penetration was hurting, I definitely wasn't orgasming then. I was like, this is just super painful. I'm just trying to make it through, which to my girls listening to this, if you're having painful sex, do not do that. You need to go see a doctor. We can talk about that later, but you need to go see a doctor. You don't need to continue having painful sex like I did, but I wasn't even thinking about like orgasms. Cause I was like, well, if it's supposed to just happen from penetration, that's not going to work. And I really have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm just going to make noises and hope that that's what's, <laughs> that's what's happening. So yeah, going into marriage, I really had no idea and was like, just going to try and figure it out one-on-one -on -one and hope that it was happening. And I honestly don't remember like my first, like real orgasm. Like, I don't remember when that happened, but I do know that it was when my husband and I like sex didn't really hurt anymore. And, um, we started adding in vibrators, which I know that we'll talk about later too. So yeah, yeah I didn't really know. And I just was like hoping for the best, but I, I was clueless, completely clueless. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's, I, I would share that sentiment um, yeah. <laughs> up until about a couple of years ago. Um, right, Lydia? <laughs> literally, literally I came to Lydia for like so many questions. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Thank you for good friends. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm also curious what the church like taught you about marriage and like, or if it was like, I feel like for me, it was like, I also grew up hardcore purity culture but it was like they talked about like not having sex but then like being married but it was like this whole gray space in between like I mean I had no idea like what any of the protocol was but then I also didn't know like what exactly was supposed to happen after marriage because we're taught for so long to not have sex and then all of a sudden you're supposed to just like have sex and like be okay with it Right. Yeah. That's where a lot of my um, story really comes from is that I was told that sex was bad over and over and over and that I was just supposed to magically be okay with it when I got married. And since I was told that so many times, like when I started having sex, my body paid the price for it. Like your body takes in things that you say and hear. And so when I was told sex was bad so many times, my, my vulva, my vagina was like, yeah, this is bad. This should not be happening. Like sex should not be happening even though I was married, like we had done the thing, we signed the papers, we had the ceremony, we did the dress, we did all the stuff. Um, but my body was like, absolutely not. We're not doing this. No matter how turned on I was, no matter how much I wanted to have sex and like for me and to please my husband, like it just wasn't there. And so, um, the church really just told me like, sex is bad, but when you're married, you're going to have it all the time. Your husband's not going to keep his hands off you. You're just going to magically know what to do. And I was over here like, I don't know a single sex position besides laying on my back and you expect me to be able to have sex. Like (laughs) you didn't tell me anything. Like I knew nothing. And so I, I I will say I had like two really close friends who were married and sat down with like, I, well, I asked them, I was like, you guys come tell me everything about sex. Cause like, I think I have an idea, but I, I'm mostly clueless. I was like, I know the mechanics that it goes in, but that's all I know. Yeah. So, um, she sat down with me or they both sat down with me and were as honest as they could be, but they're just two people. So it was like, their voices weren't as loud as the hundreds that I was hearing over there. So I wasn't really prepared for it at all. I was just told like, you're going to know what to do and you're going to have sex 24 seven and not keep your hands off each other. No one told me about lube. No one told me that like semen would actually come out of you. Like after it goes in, like no one prepared me that it was messy in that way. I was told that I would absolutely bleed or else it wasn't real. And it's like, that's not true either. Like that's not true for everybody. So there was just a lot of, um, missing, like misinformation and not correct sex education. And so I was just left to like figure it out on my own. (laughs) Yeah. I think what you said about, um, you know, like when people tell you like, it's bad, like there's that mind body connection where your body, um, literally listens to whatever you've been hearing in your mind or what you've been thinking. And that's especially true, um, with, I think orgasm as well. Like there's a lot of things that happen in your brain, um, like with all the chemicals that are released when that happens and like, it reinforces like attachment and, um, and love and stuff like that. And you also mentioned, um, a little while ago that, um, you know, the things that you did before, um, mm-hmm. having like actual intercourse, um, affected, um, or, you know, maybe not your relationship, but just like affected you. Yeah, um, yeah. and I guess, um, you know, my question is there's, 
you know, right now, I think the pendulum has kind of shifted in culture where, you know, now we're being told in our brains that it's good. Like, you know, you can, you can have sex and like, it is a good thing and all that great stuff. But on the flip side, um, what was like detrimental about some of the things that you did, um, in the past? Like, do you think that affected you at all, um, in your marriage or going forward? Yes, absolutely. So I found a lot of my worth in like what boys were saying to me. So it was, it was, or what they were saying about me and what they wanted to do with me. Um, it's, I think back to this a lot, how interesting it is, how it's kind of like two opposites. So I felt shame for my body because purity culture told me to cover up churches told me to cover up like boys could do whatever they wanted but girls have to be covered all the time you have to like protect your shoulders whatever so i felt ashamed of my body but then on the other hand like they were still sexualizing me by telling me like oh but if you dress this way they will find you hot and then they'll like you and so i was like okay well if i if boys are only going to like me because of my body well then i guess i need to like do that then so i just found a lot of my worth and like if boys wanted to hang out with me if boys want to talk to me i remember um like there's this guy in my high school who was like really popular like everyone liked him and for some reason like we became friends and i turned into his like friends with benefits but not the full benefit but the other benefit. Yeah, right right and i just remember thinking like oh my God, I have made it now. Like I have him, I have made it. And I like, this is like everything to me. And once I got to call or cause it kind of lasted like in and out of like high school and college. And I kind of got to a point where God was like, what are you doing? Like this, this is like, you are finding your complete worth in this guy. You're finding your complete worth in this person. And like, that is not who I've called you to be. That is not what I want you to do. Like, we've got to do some reshaping of identity. We have to do some reshaping of your view of sex, of your body. And so it was really interesting because like, I did have the shame of my body, but then on the other hand, I thought that that's what I, all I was good for. And so like, it was really harmful to me to like, um, you know, go do the stuff that I did and give that part of myself away. Um, but it's, you know, it's also interesting because I think like, oh, but when you get married, are you supposed to just go from like one kiss to sex? That seems like a lot. Like yeah, right. zero to a hundred. Yeah. And so I think about that a lot. I'm like, I, and this may be a little off topic. I'm sorry, but I, I no, just think about great. a lot of like, you know, although that was really unhealthy, it also seems like a lot to go from, <laughs> zero to 100. Um, because I think, cause from what we've read in the Bible, that's just kind of how it happened. Like yeah. they don't talk about it much. We don't hear anything about, you know, foreplay or anything like that. So I guess, I guess that's what they did. We don't really know. Uh, but I think like now where my head is at with this is like, well, when you get married, like you don't have to do that in one night. Like you don't have to have sex on your wedding night. And some people may think that that's like crazy and bizarre. But I'm like, I didn't do that because that was not the mindset I had at the time. But I'm like, we don't necessarily have to do that in what like one night, like we can work up to it. And like, that's okay. Like get comfortable with yourself. Cause you know, like I said, it was hurtful for me to like have my identity completely in this guy. But on the flip side, it's like, but what are we, that's a lot to go from zero to a hundred. I don't know. Yeah. So. I will just, I just want to say like, this stuff is really hard. And so if you're listeners and you guys are like working through this, just know like this stuff is so hard and we're trying to do best by the Lord and the scripture, but 
is just hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just really hard. And I've really leaned into like trusting the Holy Spirit on like showing us where our boundaries are with stuff like that. Cause it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I think I got a little off topic there. I apologize. Um, but I feel like it just goes hand in hand with like, yeah, it's really harmful, but also what that seems like a lot too. So I just yeah. wasn't going to have all the answers. Yeah. No, I think it's really good to emphasize that, like how in marriage you have so much time to figure this stuff mm-hmm. out and to explore and like, in just a very safe and communicative way, like, um, you know, where there's full trust and everything, I guess the main like myth that, or thing that I hear is like, if you don't like try it, you know, all out and like experience that before marriage, then you can have all of these like problems or like difficulties. And I just think that is like so false and like the inverse could actually happen, you know, like, you know, the more you, you try to make it work outside of that situation could be a lot more detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. No, I completely agree. It's harmful. Like, um, and you do, like you said, you have your whole marriage to figure it out. And like, I know people will say like, well, what if you're not compatible? Like, I believe if you're like in a God honoring marriage, like the Lord's going to figure that out. Like Mm -hmm. the Lord's got that. And like, I just trust that it will be okay. And I've only had sex with one person. So I don't really know what it's like to be, I guess, not compatible with someone else. I don't, I don't know. I don't have experience with that, but I'm just like, I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't know. But I just really think that the Lord's going to like figure that out for us. You know, I think kind of going back to what you said a little bit earlier about how, you know, like you kind of had to cover up, but guys were allowed to have like all these feelings, like all this stuff. Do you think, or were you taught that male pleasure during sex was more important Oh, absolutely. or like the priority? And then like, how did that affect you? And like, did it affect your marriage at all? Oh, 150 hundred percent. That's <laughs> not even a number, but that's how much yeah. it did. That is how much it affected me. So I just grew up hearing like everything was male focused. Like your husband's going to have sex with you all the time. Like you're going to have to get lingerie for him. So he likes you. Like you're going to have to figure out how to keep your hands off him. I, I literally asked somebody, I'm like, what am I supposed to do if my husband wants to have sex and I don't? And she's like, well, let's like, you can maybe give him a hand job or something. And I'm like, I, looking back now, I'm like, really? Like, I can't just say no. Like, I can't just like not want to do that for my body and for myself. Like, mm-hmm. it was just very much so like, you have to do what the what the guy wants. And they also said it kind of like, I think sometimes like actions speak louder than words. So just the lack of conversation about women's pleasure mm-hmm. I think is what really made everything else really loud too, because it's like they definitely emphasize male pleasure and the lack of conversation about women's pleasure really made it seem like, okay, well, I guess the priority for the man is there since we're not talking about how I get turned on by stuff. We're not talking about how maybe my sex drive is higher than my husband's. Like Mm -hmm. no one told me that could happen. Like it's, it's super, it was super interesting because it was like male, male, male. So no conversation about female. And the way that affected my marriage was like, I, basically threw out any kind of like consent in marriage. And what I mean by that is my husband has never once ever had sex with me. Like when I said, no, like, I want to make that very, very clear. <laughs> but what I mean by like, so he is not, he's perfect. He's <laughs> right. Right. But what, I, what I mean by that is though, like, I had no, like, I feel like I could never say no. I felt like I could never, I feel like I had to perform. I felt like 
I mean, I pushed through a year of painful sex, a whole year of painful sex, because I thought that like I had to be enough in that area or he was going to cheat on me. And I really let purity culture define who my husband was because he's not a cheater. Like that's not who he is like at all. But in my head, I had painted him that way because people told me if I didn't have sex with him, this would happen. And so it was really, it was really hard. And also, um, and we're open about this. We talk about this a lot. My husband had a porn addiction. And so even more so then I was like, oh, I really have to do this or you're going to watch porn. I'm really going to have to do this or you're going to go find somebody else. And so it really affected my marriage. It took, it took a long time for me to finally like have my like mindset switch on that of like, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, this is not like my body matters too. Like I'm important too. Like this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, and so things have kind of like drastically changed once I had that, that mindset shift. for better, like drastically changed for the better. And and my poor husband, like I had painted him as someone that he wasn't. And that's like, not fair to him either. Like that's on me. That's not, that's not fair to him either. So, but we've overcome that, which is good. And now there's like complete respect and on both sides, like if he says no, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like that's, I get it. And same vice versa. Um, and we have a lot more communication about it than we did before. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I had a similar, like experience with like high school and college relationships as you did. And we were talking, I was kind of laughing, especially when you were talking about orgasm and how you're like just making noises and like (laughs) hoping like that like works. Um, Yeah. And I think like for me, I was in like two different kinds of relationships where like one, I was like the physical driver in the relationship. And I was so confused when like he didn't want to do anything physical. And then I thought there was like something wrong with me. And then like, I started like hardcore spiraling. Um, But then in like other cases, it was like, I wasn't like as interested physical, but it was like his pleasure that was like really driving. He was like, Oh, like, can't you just like, give me a hand up. Like, like your friends were saying, or or that lady, whoever was talking to you. Um, But yeah, I feel like it's like weird and it's confusing when you're like only taught one thing and then you get into relationships and you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I do think like it's important to like have like a sexual relationship and like, yeah. I'm not telling people to like say no for three months straight. Like I'm not saying that whatsoever. Um, I do think that's important, but you can figure out ways to do that with mm-hmm. like honest communication and not just like saying, you know, saying no and not doing it or, or putting yourself out there when you don't want to, like it really comes down to communication. Yeah. And this happens in, you know, all relationships and, you know, even in like today's culture, like this, this happens in dating relationships, if that's, you know, what's happening and, but still Christian circles don't talk about that. And so it's even worse because there's that shame of purity culture. And so it just keeps happening and Mm -hmm. people and women especially keep feeling confused and hurt you know, when, when this is happening behind, you know, closed doors without having any conversation in a healthy way about it. So. I'm a little curious. Do you now like prioritize your pleasure in sex or like, how does that work now that you've made that switch? Yeah. Is that like a priority for you or like, how do you balance that with like your husband's pleasure and yours? Yeah. So my husband and I have come to a place where we're like, our goal with sex is like to make the other person feel as best as they can, like to have this like intimate connection with each other, to have like, um, 
this connection that is like, you know, undeniable that I feel like can only be met through like physical intimacy. And I'm not going to say only met through straight intercourse because I do like hold space in my heart for people who can't do that. I don't think that they're having any less intimacy, but like it is important to have that physical intimacy. And so for so long, I didn't prioritize my pleasure. And so my husband and I kind of came to a point where like, you know what? If Hannah wants to have an orgasm every single time, we are not going to stop until that happens. So I mean, every single time it's like, nope. Cause I mean, for the most part, every time a husband's going to have one, like that's just is what it is. It's a lot, I think a lot easier for them. Right. Honestly, there's a lot going on in our, in our vulvas and our clitorises and stuff. So it's like, you know, for him, it can almost happen every single time for me. That's not always the case, but our goal is to make it happen every time. Unless I get to a point where I'm like, you know what, this felt really good. I don't know that I'm going to hit orgasm today, but it felt awesome. And like, I'm happy that we connected and has connected. That's not like a job. I'm like, that's a little bit more than that. I'm happy that we had this like intimate, you know, time together and like <laughs> built that connection. I can say connection now, yeah. myself, but it just sounded so official when I said that, <laughs> like I'm just checking it off. But anyways, so we, we, we prioritize that. And if, if it doesn't happen, like if my husband finishes before I do, then we will like still get me to that finish point after we have sex. Like it's just kind of where we're at with it. And he is more than happy every time to do that. He's like excited about it. He's like, oh, we didn't get you there before. We're going to do it now. And so in a like excited, happy, loving way, because we want to do that for each other. Amazing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think. Lydia, go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, do, do you have a question? You can go. No, you, you go first. Okay. You go first. Perfect. That's so great. Yeah. So there has been a lot of research done on orgasms and how, you know, it's the release of dopamine and oxygen. oxytocin right which like helps the connection and like that attachment and like the feeling of love and like you know just like the like release and do you think that like after you started having orgasms you felt more like attached to your husband or connected in that way yeah yeah I um I I when I read your like email when you talked about this I was like oh I need to like do that research because I actually haven't like looked any of that stuff up before I mean I totally trust you I believe you I just I like would love to learn more about that because I haven't really looked into that before um but I would just say from experience like yeah I mean the having the real orgasms that I'm having like when we have sex like with my person is like such a like I I really do feel closer because I honestly think in order to have an orgasm, you have to be like so vulnerable. You have to be so, so vulnerable. You have to be so comfortable with your body, so comfortable with yourself, so comfortable with your person to reach to that point, because it is a very like, here I am. This is my body. Like, this is what I'm experiencing. And so I definitely feel like it, it brings us closer because I'm like, okay, I was just my most like real self with you in this moment. Like I didn't hold back. Cause I think to reach that, you really do have to let your body do what it does. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you're like toes curl and you make a weird sound or you don't make a weird sound. The next, like, it's so different. I feel like every time. And, but just to like actually have that experience, you have to be vulnerable. And so when you experience that, I really do believe that like, I feel closer to him than I ever had before. Um, and it, it is a lot different than the faking the orgasms that I was having in high school and college with the other guys. Like, it's just such a different, different experience because with him, I'm like fully myself. I'm not thinking about like, 
you know, oh, what does my body look like? Like, this is, this is my stomach look weird. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. We're spending time together. Like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. I'm feeling in the moment. Like we're feeling so good and so connected and like, so loved in this moment that like, yeah, I absolutely think it can bring, it can bring you closer. Like, or like, it's a different experience than, than not, or than doing other stuff with people and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then on the, on the flip side, do you think that women who don't orgasm frequently um, haven't yet or somehow like aren't as attached or close to their person? So I say all that, but then I also answer your question saying no, because I, I do know that our bodies like there, it is hard to figure out like what you like and what you don't like. Like I tell people to like, try it out, like try different positions with it. I, I don't talk about sex toys in a minute, but I'm like, try vibrating, like try these different things to get you to that point. And I, I do believe that like, you know, I don't think that women have in their marriage, like have any less connection if they haven't quite reached that orgasm yet. Like, I still think that they do have that like strong, intimate connection. I just think like, once you do have the orgasm, it's just a different level. Um, so I definitely do think that they still have that. Cause I I talk to women, I mean, all day in my, (laughs) on Instagram, my DMS, like I'm trying so hard to have like this like climate, like this orgasm. And I just feel like it's not working. And so I don't want them to feel like they have any lesser of a, of their marriage or any lesser of a relationship. Cause it is hard. It takes some time to learn. Like it is just, it's just not as easy as it is for guys. (laughs) There's a lot of moving parts, you know, a lot of pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lydia, do you want to, do you want to ask the next one? Yeah. So I, why do you think like orgasming? And I feel like even like the word and concepts hidden a lot, especially like in Christian circles and in the church specifically, like, I don't think I ever heard a pastor say that or like, especially like in like youth group when they had like the sex talk, like Lydia, I didn't know about an orgasm from that. Our dads. <laughs> That's Lydia, true. We're both were our dads. That's a little bit different. I don't know that I'd want my dad maybe necessarily to say where yeah. we're That's what your dad tells calls me like probably once every couple of weeks. He's like, I just want you to know, like, just here's your daily or here's your reminder that I love you, but I'm not listening to your podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I know. He's like, I just want you to know that I support you. I'm like, Dad, do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm like, it's fine. So I get that. That's a little bit different. But still, but still, wow. you're right. It's all talked about. Mm-hmm. I feel like even like when I went to a church where my dad wasn't a pastor, like, I mean, I never even heard that word. Like, again, like in youth group, like, I feel like the whole concept wasn't even discussed. And maybe it was with the guys like in the other room, but like, it definitely wasn't when it was like the girls section of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you have any thoughts on like why you think that's like, it hidden or dismissed? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I really think, I think for two reasons, number one, um, women with sexual desire are painted as sluts and prostitutes and whores, which I really don't think those words exist. Like that has just over time become like the label that they put on women who have any kind of sexual desire. And so they would have, I feel like they always associate women with sexual desire as, as that. And so of course they're not going to talk about orgasms because that's like the category it goes in. And then on the other side, they just don't want to address that women would have sexual desire at all. Cause like, 
sexual desire and orgasms go hand in hand. Like if you're wanting to have sex and you have sex, hopefully you're having orgasms. They just don't want to admit that. Like they don't want to admit that women can have like any kind of sexual desire, but because if they do, then they're definitely going to be painted as this way. Mm. And which is so not true. Like God gave us the body parts and the weight, like to make it happen. Like it, like, yes, we can have like sex is the way that we're able to carry children, but like the Lord gave us like a clitoris and that Mm -hmm. the job of the clitoris is to, or like to give you pleasure. And so, and I know that can like feel weird to think about, but it's true. Like we were created like to also enjoy sex. Like the Lord gave us that capability and the church just doesn't want to address that. They don't want, they want to see women as like perfectly pure, like girls almost. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of gross in my opinion. Like it's like, no, we're women and we have sexual desire just as much as men do sometimes even more. Um, but it's just been suppressed by, by the church. And so they, but have to acknowledge that to be able to acknowledge orgasm, but they're not doing that. So they can't acknowledge orgasm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they also feel really uncomfortable about like sex education in general. And I do not believe the church is like 100% responsible for sex education. Mm-hmm. Like, do not believe that whatsoever. But if they're going to talk about it, they need to be properly educated. And a lot of people aren't like a lot of people in the church and a lot of us, like I wasn't even properly educated on my vulva versus my vagina until mm-hmm. I was like way in college. And so like, I feel like they, you know, maybe feel a little uncomfortable of like, I don't even know if this is exactly right about my anatomy. So I don't even know that I can address orgasm. Mm-hmm. So I think there's yeah. a lot of, lot of parts to it. Do you think that the church should um, come at it in a spiritual manner rather than like strictly like anatomy or scientific? Like what are your um, thoughts like about orgasm and sex? Like, does it matter spiritually and should the church address sex in that way? Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I do like, as much as I'm like, you know, for sex and like, I do believe it was created for marriage. And so I do want us to like talk about it, you know, in the church from that standpoint, but they have to do it in a way that is not shaming. And they, I think it's also super important to bring up anytime you talk about sex and like spiritual, in the spiritual realm to also address like sexual assault survivors, mm-hmm. um, because they're never talked about. And they're often put in the category of people who have sex outside of marriage who are bad. Yeah. And that's just so not okay on so many levels. Um, and I feel like that needs to be addressed, but I digress. I do think it is important spiritually because like, I do believe that sex was intended for marriage. And if you're having an orgasm, like that is a gift from the Lord that I believe should be shared for in marriage. So I think you can talk about the sanctity. Um, did I say that word right? That wasn't the correct word. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, was that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, marriage, how it's sacred. Like, I think you can talk about that in a way that's like, so these things that you get to have in marriage when you have sex, you can't, you are, you get to have orgasms. Like you get to have this pleasure. You get to have this like super intimate, like bonding experience with your spouse. And like, that is one of the most beautiful gifts from the Lord. And so I do think that there's like a spiritual level to it and like a connection, like your bodies are coming together. And like, I think that is like a spiritual connection. And so I think when, when the church talks about sex, they should like talk about it from that standpoint. Um, but also understanding that like people do have sexual agencies and they can choose what they want to do, like in that area. Um, and that they're not like dirty or worthless if, 
they had orgasm outside of sex or outside yeah. of marriage, um, mm-hmm. like a lot of the church teaches. Yeah. I think I'm curious. You talked about this earlier, but what are your thoughts about like needing a vibrator to orgasm? Yeah. So I, my husband, right before he got married, so sweet. He was like, I bought us some stuff on Amazon. And I was like, you didn't talk to me first. He was like, I don't know. I thought it would be like a cute surprise. I'm really sorry that I, I probably should have talked to you about that first. And I was like, yeah, but it's okay. We can go from there. He was honestly trying to be sweet about it. Like, look, I got us this like stuff and he went in the stuff. We've literally only ever, I can't even, I really can't even remember what else he bought besides the vibrator, but the vibe, the vibrator was there. And I, for a while was like, we didn't use it. Cause I was like, you know, like I want like my husband to be the reason I'm able to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I also believe like we don't masturbate outside of during sex, but we do believe that that's okay because it's something we're doing together. Like it's an experience we're experiencing together. Um, and so I was like, you know, I want to be able to do that. You know, either he do it to me or I do it to me while we're having sex. Like, I don't want to, you know, I just want that to happen. And I just kind of like had this idea in my head that like, well, I would have to rely on my vibrator and not my husband. But then when we decided, okay, let's try it. Cause I was not orgasming. I was like, it was just not happening. So I was like, you know what, let's try it. So we got the vibrator and I realized like the vibrator just really elevated our experience. It didn't replace my husband. It didn't replace myself. Like I really thought it was going to like turn into a replacement and something I'd have to like rely on, which I do know that that some people do experience that. And I do think that's like, okay, let's figure out something. You don't want to have to hundred percent rely on it. Um, but it just like adds to our experience. Like I don't orgasm just strictly from vibrator alone. Like my husband has is like kissing me and touching me and we're just adding it to the experience. And so, and it's like, you know, even though he didn't order it, he ordered it before talking to me. It was something that, you know, we, I do think you should hundred percent consent from both parties that you were okay with bringing toys and into, into your sex life. But once we had talked about it and decided, I was like, okay, like this isn't what I thought it would be. Like I thought that it would turn into a replacement and it didn't, it just elevates the experience. And I actually was able to orgasm with a vibrator. Now I can orgasm without one. Um, but I do think it just like adds to it and like makes it better. I don't think it's a, it's a replacement and it's something he's okay with and I'm okay with. And so I feel okay with it. I, I think it just, just adds to it. Yeah. So my, my, uh, one of my final questions here for you is what is your best advice for, um, for, I'm going to give like two different stages here, but I would say for one, for young girls who are like just entering relationships, um, and two, uh, girls that are in dating serious relationships with the intention of getting married and three, um, married women. Um, what is your best piece of, of advice for those three? Yeah. Yeah. So for the girls who are just like, just starting to maybe like, you know, become a teenager, think about, getting in relationships. Um, I just, and honestly, this goes for all three. My first piece of advice is that like, we are human and this stuff is so hard. Like this is so hard to figure out. Like I'm still like, this is my whole podcast, but I still don't have all the answers. I don't know that I will ever 
have all the answers. Like in scripture, the most it talks about, about sex, honestly, is telling you not to have it. So it's like, like I've done, like looked up, I'm like, all right, show me where it's like, I've done all the readings about sex and like the goodness of it in marriage. And when I'm like Googling and looking a lot of it is like sexual morality. And I'm like, tell me the good things though. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there is song of Solomon, which talks about that a lot, but you know, so it, it's hard. I just say that to say that like, it is hard. And I wish that I would have had more grace for myself. I wish other people would have given me more grace when I'm trying to figure this out because your body is changing. You're going to get turned on by stuff. Like literally some people can like run into a couch corner and it turns them on. Like (laughs) it's really confusing. It's so confusing. What am I supposed to do with this? It's really confusing for friends who are like in their like late twenties who aren't married yet, but have a sex drive. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? Like it Mm. is so hard so confusing. And I just want to encourage like people to have grace for themselves as they are trying to figure this out and just really lean into the Holy spirit and his promptings. If you claim that you love Jesus and you're a Christian, um, I think that the Lord was trying to tell me things about sexuality and my body and what I should do with it as a teenager. And I just wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't listening. And, and maybe then like, And I do think I knew the difference between like conviction and shame. Um, It was confusing, but I, I look back and I'm like, no, I knew I just wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't listening. And so I had a lot of fear and a lot of things wrong because I just didn't really lean into Jesus. And I believe that like, if we just lean into Jesus, like he is going to guide us and help us figure this stuff out. And your body will kind of tell you that, like, if you're feeling somewhere weird in your body or in your jaw and chest and your gut, like that's probably the Lord prompting you to maybe stop what you're doing and think about it or think about your identity or all this stuff. So that's like my big piece of just advice is just like, we're trying to figure this out. Everyone's trying to figure this out. I believe that like, if you just lean into the Lord And, and lean into like things like this, like this podcast where you guys are talking about this stuff, like here for some like good shame, like, uh, people who are breaking shame, not who are giving shame, like lean into that. And I think like, you know, we'll be okay. Will you mess up? Absolutely. Like that's just part of being, being a human and trying to figure this out. Um, but it, it will be okay. So that's my like big thing. My second thing for people going in into trying to decide like what you think, honestly, I think it would have been really, really helpful for me to know like anatomy of my body, know like what my body parts actually are Mm -hmm. and know how pregnancy works. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that because I spent a lot of time thinking I was pregnant when I never had sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I had never had sex. I was in the bathroom like sobbing like I'm pregnant because my boob hurts. And it, uh, and yeah. like, oh, no. Lydia, we relate so like, hard. He did something to me and, and I think he might have had some come on his pre-come on his hands. I don't yeah. know. Like literally so oh, no. much time in sobbing over that and feeling ridiculous, mm-hmm. but like I had so much fear. And so I just knowing my body, knowing how this stuff works, like actually knowing that, like really, I think would have helped me like 
know my body and feel less shame about things, feel less uncomfortable. Cause a lot of I did the stuff cause I just was uncomfortable and didn't really know what to do. So I just like let the other person decide and lead and like, no, 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 you need to know for you, like what is comfortable for you, what your body parts are, how they work. And just, I think honestly, knowing how pregnancy works is like, will give you a lot of peace of mind mm-hmm. because there's just there's a window of getting pregnant and you gotta have a like yeah. it, yes yeah. things happen and honestly i will say if the lord wants you to be pregnant he'll make you pregnant like <laughs> that will happen but like i you just knowing your body will hopefully help give you a peace of mind about stuff uh will help you give peace of mind about stuff so i encourage you to like know your body know how it works and really like keep your identity in Jesus and know your worth in Jesus. Um, so you don't try to find it in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, because like that, a person cannot complete you. Jesus completes you like you and Jesus are one. Someone is not going to complete you. Like that's not really how that works. Or I don't think that's how that works. So I just encourage you to like have your identity in Jesus, know your anatomy, know how like it works and don't be afraid to like, ask questions and with safe people who will not judge you. Like it is not a bad thing to have a sex drive. It's not a bad thing to want to have sex. Like that is a good gift from the Lord. And he like has that for marriage for a reason because of how connected you are when you have sex. Um, and like honoring that is like, you know, the goal. Um, but it's really hard and there's just grace for that. And so I think that can honestly go for all three. Like all three things, all three categories that you asked, like my, my biggest advice is just know, know who you are in Jesus and give yourself grace and know your anatomy, know how things work. That'll help you feel less ashamed of them and feel less weird and, um, just more comfortable in who you are and, um, can also help your, your marriage out too. If you're like more confident in who you are and know your things, it just takes away that like layer of shame that you have when you know your body and you know how it works. Um, and it helps you feel more confident overall. And just knowing that everything about our bodies and about who we are is like a good gift from the Lord. It is a mm-hmm. good thing. So I think I can fit all three. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So great. I feel like everything you said was like why we started this podcast. And like, I know. <laughs> every time we were talking, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And <laughs> Emma and I have both had moments where like, could we be <laughs> Like, I mean, like, it's like, it's so real. Everything's for so I was like, yeah. No, I'm like, why did I stress about that so much? And even honestly, even like in marriage, the first like six months of us being married, I literally thought I was pregnant every single month. Yeah. Part of that was because my birth control was messed up. But the other part was because like, I truly didn't fully understand how pregnancy worked. I was like, you just have sex to get pregnant, right? Like the mean girls people say, like teen and mean girls, you have sex, you get pregnant and die. Like, that's what I literally thought. I was like, that's how that works. Right. And it's like, "Mm, no, no, (laughs) sex is the way that you get pregnant, but there are a lot of things that have to go on in our Mm -hmm. body to make that happen. So anyways, yeah, too real, too real. Goodness. Yeah. Well, I don't think I have any more questions. I feel like you gave such thorough answers. It was incredible. Guys, you're so articulate. Mm-hmm. And Thank I just you. think that this is going to be so good for women and especially the part about like learning more in detail about how um, our bodies function and how we're supposed to be in relationship with other people and like um, I just think it's so important for especially young women to think about yeah. and talk about, um, 
because there's so yeah. much hurt um, in the world now. And they're so, thankfully, like a lot of people will say like social media is the worst. I don't feel that way at all. Yes, there's negative things, but like you can learn so much like information on the internet that is like, I think can be helpful information. I yeah. I follow a lot of like, cause I am not a sex educator. Like I need to make that clear. I do not yeah. have a degree in that. Like I have just learned and I'm telling my friends basically. Um, but like, there's a lot of like really good sex educators out there that you can follow that will like provide really good information for you to learn about. Like I tried to do that on my page, but there's a couple other like sex educators that I follow that I think are fantastic that like, will teach you things in a shame, shameless way, or no, that's right. They don't shame you. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. Right. There's no shame. And, um, and I mean, you want to get your information from a good place, but like, if you don't feel like you have people around to talk to, like there are resources out there to help you figure it out that won't make you feel shamed or bad or disgusting or weird or things like that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Thank you guys well, for having me on it was yeah. fun this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Like, I cannot tell you how like appreciative I am of like just you coming on here and also you making your podcast because like over the last year when I was like researching like, is it okay to have sex before? Like all this like stuff, like your podcast was so crucial in that. And I'm like so glad that you did that and that like you're willing to like, actually talk about things that are really difficult to talk about and share your story and be vulnerable. So yeah, we just honor you for doing that. So thank you. That means the world to me and it's, why I do what I do? The Lord keeps me up at night about it. So mm-hmm. I just got to put it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, and I'm really excited for your podcast to be out and for you guys to do this. Yes. I think that you're going to reach such an incredible group of women that need to hear this stuff and um, that need to feel like less shame in their lives and let the, and also that they can feel like, oh, I'm not crazy for asking this question about this relationship mm-hmm. that so many of us feel that way. And so I just think it's so, so awesome that you guys are doing this. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> that's so sweet yeah we're just so excited to talk to you today and we're so grateful now but yeah Yeah. thank you everyone for listening we are we were just so grateful to have hannah on the show and hear more about orgasm purity culture marriage and all of that jazz so make sure you follow her at say.whatpodcast on instagram and you can find her podcast links from there and all of her like q a she does on instagram she's great y'all you have to go check it out um yeah, just to stay up to date on ours, you can follow us at theholyship.podcast. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can either DM us or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much for listening and we hope you have the best week ever.